Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? It is episode number 12 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your favorite podcast host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? Episode number 12, Banner Banter Podcast, a podcast about the Boston Celtics, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play Music, iTunes, all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast and on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. How are we doing? The Boston Celtics are officially back. They are three games in. They are currently 2-1 and one so far this year. And wow, we have a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. As always, we'll have your Celtics stud, dud of the week. Banner Banter Investigation. I'll preview the upcoming games that the Celtics have this week, three in total, and the last three that we had this week. But first off, I just want to talk about Terry Rozier and his headband. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. You know, I I, I just have mixed reactions to it. You know, like, he he does a fade, and as I'm, I'm really not one to talk because I get a fade every two weeks. Shout out to my the girl who cuts my hair, Jill, and I wear a hat all the time. But Terry Rozier and headbands, they just don't seem to go together. Like Terry Rozier and a hat, that makes sense. Terry Rozier with a headband, I don't know, made me feel uncomfortable this past Saturday. I, I hope he takes it off as soon as possible. I like what Kyrie's doing with his little not headband. I, I, I don't even know what to call it, like a sweatband, if you will, where he just kind of ties it in the back to kind of poof up his afro a little bit. But Terry Rozier and a headband... I don't know, especially since he got that new tattoo for his birthday. You know, a couple a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about how he did something with GQ, and I thought it was just fake, but no, he literally got his birthday tattooed in the back of his head, and now he's wearing a headband to block it. I don't know, it just really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and that, and I, I think with that little rant that I just have, we're officially back. The Boston Celtics are officially back, and everything's already aggravating me, especially Marcus Smart, but we'll get into that in a bit. So the first thing I want to talk about is obviously the home opener. Celtics beat the 76ers 105-87. to 87. The atmosphere in there was awesome. The intro video, mm, I like last year's a lot better with the, the drones and all that crazy stuff. I got the, the concept of it, and I thought it was a cool concept, but I'm just more of a crazy, out-of-this-world type of atmosphere type of stuff when it comes to the the intro video the music wasn't as loud as i thought it would be so hopefully they turn up the music tonight when they played the orlando magic at td garden but anyways the atmosphere was crazy they gave us the light up bands the intro video al horford said a couple words obviously they had the little fire that they always have or what they were doing during the playoffs and a lot of people were ready to go a lot of people were fired up for this game but man that first quarter was october basketball at its finest it was so friggin sloppy in plain english it was it was terrible like turnovers everywhere bad passes bad shot selection you name it and it it just wasn't on the Celtics end it was on the 76ers end too like you know Ben Simmons took like a turnaround jump shot what I, I thought he was a coward and didn't do those type of things but then again he didn't really take any three pointers and that's fine but 
just so sloppy, and it it was it was borderline cringeworthy. And and speaking of cringeworthy, Kyrie Irving, where was he? He was nowhere nowhere to be found. Sure, he ended up with some double digits and points, and he had five or six assists, and that was nice and all. But man, he was. He was terrible, and he said after the game that he was nervous. And I and I just wanted to be like, "What are you nervous about, Bud? You you hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history to bring the Cleveland Cavaliers their first NBA title, the first championship to Cleveland in so long, and and you were nervous about opening night at TD Garden, like after a knee injury, huh? It it really didn't make a lot of sense. A couple people that had some good games. Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, both of them offensively were through the roof. Their shot, their shot selection was great. The way they just got open off of curls was great. Marcus Morris didn't take a lot of ISO shots. He still did. Like you, at at this point, I think we've seen so much Marcus Morris that you can actually sense that okay, he's actually going to pass it, or okay, here comes a contested jumper, and, and that's a good thing. I just wish it was like. 50-50 instead of 90-10, where 90% of the time he's going to be taking that contested jumper. But Tatum led the team in scoring. Morris was arguably the best player off the bench, the leader of the BWA for sure. And Marcus Morris also got a double-double with multiple rebounds, multiple points off the bench, and it was it was great to see. It, it, it really was. Gordon Hayward, you know, obviously didn't look that great offensively, but defensively, he was very aggressive. He had four steals in the game. Horford had five blocks as well. And I think Horford and Aaron Baines did a great job on Joel Embiid. Sure, Joel Embiid got over 20 points in that game, but he's going to be getting that every single night. But if it takes him 20 to 25 shots to do that, that's a good job. And they were physical with him. And I love the way that Brad also set up the offense so they, because he knows the 76ers switch, that every single time they would switch, it would be Jason Tatum on Joel Embiid, and I know they know each other very well. They played a lot of basketball this summer together in LA, a lot of one-on-one, and there were some times that Joel Embiid did a really good job on Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum made difficult shots, and that's why Jason Tatum was a leading scorer for the Boston Celtics the other night. And one other thing, speaking about Joel Embiid, Jalen Brown, he obviously, in the second half, went up really strong to try and dunk on Joel Embiid, and it didn't work out that well, dunk-wise, but he did get the two points. I don't understand why it wasn't a foul but you know whatever but you know he went up really strong and then like Joel blocked it but it went off the backboard and then went in it was it was crazy one thing that I want to talk about one stat that I found absolutely fascinating about this game is Ben Simmons had a triple double in this game Ben Simmons is a really good basketball player I'm not going to take that away from him but he is a minus 108 in the last nine games versus the Celtics. That's regular season and the playoffs, which means whenever Ben Simmons is on the floor, the Boston Celtics are 108 points better. 108. 108 points better than the 76ers. Think about that for a second. Brad Stevens knows how to control Ben Simmons and knows how to exploit him defensively, and I think that is great. Now, speaking about defensively, let's talk about Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. The Celtics Friday night on ESPN, 8 o'clock. It was a great, great game. It, it had playoff atmosphere written all over it. And I think this year we might actually finally get to see a Raptors-Celtics playoff series. Both teams are evenly matched. 
The benches are equally as good. I think the Celtics do have a better bench because they're deeper, but the people that are coming off the bench for the Raptors are legit players, and I thought they did a great job. And we finally got to see Kawhi Leonard, which who is arguably the best player in the Eastern Conference or the second best player in the Eastern Conference, right behind Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Celtics did a great job of Kawhi Leonard, contested shots. He had to take over, I, I think he took 25 shots. He scored 31 points, but the thing is, he made those big shots when they counted. And one of the reasons why is because the communications, the communication defensively with the Celtics is still not there. There was a one point in the game, late in the game, Danny Green on the Raptors hit a wide open three pointer because he ran the baseline and it was either Gordon would go guard him or Terry would go guard him. And they were both like pointing in different directions, like literally like trying to have a conversation and trying to find, you know, instead of defending the open man and he hit a wide open three and that spread the lead out and the Celtics could never catch up. I thought the the game was great back and forth. The Celtics were winning, the Raptors were winning, Celtics were winning, Raptors were winning. You know, there was one point where the Celtics, you know, were up eight points or so and they should have never blown that lead, but the Raptors are a good team. Kyle Lowry, who I, I really don't like Kyle Lowry. Obviously my most hated player in the NBA is Carmelo Anthony, you know, and again, how the Rockets doing with him. Sure, you know, Chris Paul was was saved by Carmelo Anthony in that fight with Rondo. And, you know, and by the way, what, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to sidetrack a little bit because at this point I'm literally like just blacking out, just talking about basketball. But what a nice little fight. We actually kind of saw a fight and some fists thrown in an NBA game. Usually, you know, the NBA is just, you know, the, the push and talk league. But, you know, Rondo got a nice left hook in with CP3. And then CP3, you know, a lot of people didn't think he connected. But if you slow down that video, he connected a couple times. And, you know, Carmelo Anthony wanted nothing to do with it because Carmelo Anthony's a bum. But anyways, Kyle Lowry, he's just one of those guys where I don't understand, like, how he's good at basketball. I, I don't understand. He just doesn't look like a basketball player. He's got, like, that chubby cheek face. Not like Glenn Davis, but... I just don't understand how he's good and he hit some big shots and he controlled the offense very well and settled them down because at the beginning of the game, the Celtics only held the Raptors to 18 points in the first quarter and it looked like the Raptors offense was all over the place. But Kyle Lowry came back in the second quarter, calmed everything down, and then it really kind of became evenly matched. And one thing that I, I was intrigued about in that game was in the third quarter, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward played really well. They actually scored a lot of points. Kyrie was a leading scorer. Gordon had 14 and 7 in that game. And I and, and I was happy to see that because Kyrie was te- I you know, I hate to say it again, but Kyrie was terrible in the first game. And in the second game, he sure he had to take a lot of shots to make sure he could be the leading scorer, but that's what we're expecting from from Kyrie Irving. And Gordon Hayward, he played really well. I mean, 14 and 7 in your second game back. Sure, his ankle was sore. That's why he didn't play in the the Knicks game on Saturday night because he has some ankle soreness, and that's going to happen. And that's why we have to be patient with Gordon Hayward. He's not going to be a hundred percent probably till the All Star break, if not after, and that's okay. Like we all have to be okay with that and be patient with that. And I thought Gordon played really, really well up in Toronto. But one thing that I, I was really shocked about was Daniel Tice didn't really play a lot, and. Serge Ibaka went off. Serge Ibaka is one of those guys where, again, he's an athletic big that can spread the floor and as good as a defender as Al Horford is, if Al Horford gets beat, you know, off a quick jab step like Serge Ibaka or Joel Embiid can do, then they're kind of screwed. And I'm surprised that Brad didn't put a more athletic Daniel Tice. I'm not saying that Tice is as good as a defender as 
Al Horford is, but I am saying that Tice could have could have kept up with Serge Ibaka. I don't want to say they're the same size, but height-wise, they're probably the same. Athletic, like, they're probably the same with their athleticism, but obviously Serge Ibaka has a little bit more muscles. And the, the other thing that I, I really just didn't understand is I didn't understand why Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier were in the game. Like, if you, if you want to put Marcus Smart to close the game, I, I get it. You know, he's probably the best defender to defend Kyle Lowry they're the same size they don't like each other kind of like Rondo and CP3 why is Terry Rozier out there to close the game when you have Kyrie and Marcus already why not put Jalen Brown in there and that that was just one thing that I I really didn't understand why Brad did that towards the end of the game in that Raptors game but whatever it's not that big of a deal to lose a game this early in the season it was only the second game of the year it was perfectly fine we're going to see the Raptors three more times at least and then we'll probably see them again in the Eastern Conference Finals because they are so good especially if Kawhi Leonard is throwing up 31 points a game. All right, and then Saturday night, we had our first back-to-back game. It was against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Gordon Hayward, like I just mentioned, did not play. He had some ankle soreness. The Celtics were expecting it. They just didn't think the soreness would be that much. Like, they thought he was going to play in maybe only like 20 minutes, but he didn't play at all, and again, that's okay. In the first half, Aaron Baines, before he strained his hamstring, and Aaron Baines will probably be out the next couple of games with his strained hamstring, which is kind of a blow to the team, but maybe it will give an opportunity for not only Daniel Tice, but Robert Williams to possibly get some minutes. But Aaron Baines, to start that game, was fantastic defensively. He was so good on Cantor. He was so good shooting the three-pointer. And it, Jay King from The Athletic, he said it best. It, he honestly thinks that like one day Aaron Baines just woke up and he became a three-point shooter. You know, I mentioned it in the season preview with Aaron Baines. I think he's going to be taking a lot more threes this year. And as long as he's completely wide open and he's not taking contested ones, I'm I'm fine with that. And I thought I thought he did a great job. And I think the Celtics were up 16 at one point in the first quarter, and they did such a great job. And then all of a sudden, once Aaron Baines kind of went out. They kind of faded away, and and they almost lost the game. And luckily, Jason Tatum with his 24 and 14, 14 rebounds for Jason Tatum. Can you imagine that? His original career high was 11, and he he was unbelievable. And Jason Tatum had to hit this shot with about what eight nine seconds left to go in the game, and it was Paul Pierce clutch like. But the move was Kevin Garnett, the the shoulder shake, turn around over, you know, about five feet from the elbow, and he he nailed it, and he is ice cold. He's, you know, I posted it on the Banner Banter Podcast Facebook page. He is an ice cold villain. Marcus Morris was the second leading scorer once again with 17 points, but he was also a minus 17 overall, and he got his first technical foul. Now, going into the season, Marcus Morris, his goal was to not get a technical foul until the 16th game. He he wanted the first 15 games without a technical foul, and he's three games in, and he already failed that. Al Horford didn't really play a lot, and I thought that was confusing, but second night back-to-back, I get it. Brad felt comfortable enough the way the team was playing. You know, Daniel Tice came in in the second half and did a pretty reasonable job. But, I mean, the fact that Al Horvitz only playing 23 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back just shows the depth of the Celtics team, and and it it should make you feel really good. And speaking about things that made me feel really good is Kyrie Irving decided to, 
outside of the the last six points because the last six points were scored by Jason Tatum. But to before that, it was all Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie got to the line. He did all of his Kyrie Irving things. He had this unbelievable crossover dribble. I don't know how he did it. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. I was at a bar with some of my Mount Ida friends. Shout out to all my Mount Ida friends who were there at uh, what was that bar called? The Ghost Walks, and we were watching the game, and I completely overreacted about how Kyrie just split two defenders probably about six feet from the basket. This crossover was absolutely unbelievable. And he got to the free throw line, and man, what a play it was. And it was a huge, huge momentum swing for the Celtics. So it was good to see as bad as Kyrie was in game one, he got better game two. He didn't shoot the ball that well in New York in game three, but he he said, you know what? This is my team right now. I'm going to control this and make it happen. But end of the day, three games in, this is Jason Tatum's team. And you have to think, how is Kyrie Irving feeling about that? Because Kyrie Irving came here probably because he wanted to be the number one guy. But right now, the number one guy is a 20-year-old by the name of Jason Tatum. And it's very interesting to see how Kyrie is going to adjust to that or if that's not going to make him want to re-sign next summer. I'm telling you, keep an eye out on this. If Tatum's going to be the number one guy and Kyrie's going to be the second guy, we have to hope Kyrie's all about winning a championship instead of being the number one guy because, sure, he was all about winning a championship with LeBron, but at the end of the day, he wanted to be the number one guy, and that's why he wanted to leave Cleveland. So just to kind of go over, uh, like to summarize the last three games or so, the Celtics are 27th overall in scoring in the NBA. The scoring in the NBA this year is absolutely ridiculous. You know, like people are scoring 140 points a game. It's absolutely bananas. They're 21st overall in three-point percentage, and then they're 21st in turnovers per game. So, again, terrible three-point shooting, sloppy ball handling. Sl- Excuse me, I just burped. A sloppy, I, I guess I'm sloppy right now too. Sloppy ball handling, sloppy passing, laziness, bad shot selection, leads to 27th overall in scoring, 21st in three-point shooting, and 21st in turnovers per game. And let's just talk about Marcus Smart. I know Marcus Smart has been going through a lot with the loss of his mother, and yesterday was my father's anniversary. He passed away 18 years ago unexpectedly with a massive heart attack, and it still haunts me to this day. So I understand that Marcus Smart is still going through some stuff, but Marcus Smart just needs to pass the ball. Marcus Smart is such a good passer when he wants to be as long as as long as he's not doing too much. And man oh man, he was doing way too much or trying to do way too much and there are times where he'll take shots that he shouldn't and then he won't take shots that he should. There was like a wide open 3 in New York on Saturday night and he literally didn't take it and it drove me nuts. Like I was okay if Marcus Smart took a wide open three-pointer but he didn't and it was so annoying where he then made a bad pass and it turned into a turnover and then the Knicks went down and scored the other thing that I'm kind of concerned with the Celtics is their defense their first quarter defense so far has been unbelievable first three games they've allowed 21 points to the 76ers 18 points to the Raptors and 18 points to the Knicks and then this is what happened in the second third and fourth quarter of each game 26 30 and 28 31 33 31 30 22 31 you can't allow 30 points a quarter especially to the raptors especially to the new york knicks who sucks yes i understand tim hardaway jr's playing some of his best basketball ever like arguably better than his dad just scoring wise not overall his father was an unbelievable basketball player but even though 
they're doing all that, the Celtics are still the third best team in the league so far based on a point opponent's points per game. It's under 100, which is great, but like you can't be allowing 30 points a game. I mean, a quarter. You can't be doing that. They have to keep that in that 28 to or 25 to 28 range max for them to compete if they're going to be shooting so poorly, especially from three-point land. And then the other thing I thought was very interesting is, yes, Jason Tatum leads the team in points and rebounds, but he also leads the team in turnovers. He's having over three turnovers a game. Again, you know, someone like Russell Westbrook, he'll have seven or eight. CP3 will have a lot of turnovers too. But if we can get, you know, those turnovers to go down, that will be good. And one other thing that I wanted to talk about before we talk about the upcoming games this week is Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is in a tough spot. You know, should he start? Should he come off the bench? He hasn't closed the last couple games for the Celtics. And I thought that was a little weird and confusing. So if Brad doesn't want him to close... Why not have him come off the bench? I mean, defensively, Baines and Horford are so good. Like, the Celtics' defense when Baines and and Horford are on the floor together is incredible if you guys look at the numbers. Or even if you just, you know, just watch the game. It's just different because these guys know they have great defenders behind them. So if Kyrie were to get beat, okay, good luck trying to get by Al Horford and Aaron Baines. But if Jalen Brown isn't going to close out games, then I say bring him off the bench. That's... That's what I think, and just change up the starting lineup. Now, again, Brad has uh, a lot of options here where he could probably have nine or ten different closing lineups, and sure, it all based on matchups, and sometimes Jalen's in foul trouble. I mean, because Jalen fouls probably more than anyone else on the team, minus Daniel Tice. But Brad, we have to accept what Brad does, but at the same time, we have every right to judge him as well. And the, the end of the Raptors game, I put a big question mark on what Brad was doing because I thought Jalen Brown should have been out there. He's an explosive scorer. He's a very good defender, and so wasn't Marcus Smart, but I would rather have the scoring, especially if you're losing versus the defending. But it's going to be really interesting to see how many different closing lineups Brad has coming into this upcoming season. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week okay it is time for your Celtic stud and dud of the week and this one's going to be super simple the stud of the week is Jason Tatum how could it not be look at the numbers look at the shots look how well he's playing watch the highlights Jason Tatum is your stud of the week and the dud of the week is Marcus Smart he sucked this week plain and simple Everyone else had has had a, a reasonable week. You know, you could say that Kyrie could have been the dud too, but Kyrie made some plays and made me go, "Ho ho, he's he's almost there. He's he's back. He's back." So there you go. Your Celtics sudden dud of the week. I know it was quick, but Jason Tatum's the stud. Marcus is the dud. And now we have to talk about the three upcoming games the Celtics have this week, starting tonight, seven thirty, TD Garden on NBC Sports Boston. I don't think it's on NBA TV, but they're going to be playing the Orlando Magic. They should win this game. They better win this game. We all have to keep an eye out on Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is going to have a monster game. Aaron Gordon is on my fantasy basketball team. Aaron Gordon is a stat filler. He could probably finish this game with like 25 and 15 easily because he is an athletic big. And who has a hard time defending athletic bigs? Aaron Gordon can also jump through the roof. He can fly high, and I hope we get to see an athletic dunk from him. But there's a lot of athletic bigs on 
the Orlando Magic team. Besides that, they really don't have a lot. Is Jonathan? I believe Jonathan Simmons is still on that team. He's a pretty good scorer. He used to play for the San Antonio Spurs, and he could score the ball pretty well. But is if the Celtics can control Aaron Gordon, I think they got a good shot at winning this game. Keep him off the glass, and they got it. We're going to need a lot of contribution from Al Horford, Daniel Tice, you know, Jason Tatum too, Marcus Morris, all those guys that love to rebound. And hopefully we get to see some minutes from Robert Williams, whether it's a blowout or if they actually need him because they need a body because Tice or Horford need a breather. And then Thursday night, OKC, Russell Westbrook. They're going to OKC, 8 o'clock, TNT. Russell Westbrook missed the first couple of games for the Thunder with a knee issue. And last night they lost to the Sacramento Kings, who is arguably the crappiest team in the NBA and we need the Sacramento Kings to lose as much as possible and then lose in the lottery so they don't get the number one pick and they get the number two pick and the Celtics could then draft Barrett or Zion Williams from Duke but anyways OKC Thursday night should be a great game Kyrie versus Westbrook Tatum versus Paul George Horford versus Steven Adams it's going to be a great game I'm really looking forward to that one Then the Celtics have a home-and-home series against the Detroit Pistons. They go to Detroit on Saturday, October 27th, and then they're back playing the Pistons at TD Garden on the 30th for a little home-and-home series. Now, the Pistons have a new coach, Dwayne Casey, former coach of the Toronto Raptors and last year's winner of the NBA Coach of the Year Award. And yes, the Pistons have only beat the Nets by three points, and I believe the Knicks by two points or maybe it was the Hawks, but either way, they their two wins so far this year have been by less than five points to teams that are not going to be making the playoffs. So the Celtics should win both of these games, but again, Drummond always gives the Celtics problems. I'm not worried about Blake Griffin. I know Al Horford can shut him down defensively, so hopefully Aaron Baines will be back by Saturday, if not by next Tuesday, for so someone can control Andre Drummond because Drummond will beat Horford down in the block and with how well Dwayne Casey knows Brad Stevens and the Celtics it it should be a fun little home and home series for them all right now one last thing we have to do on this podcast and I'm pretty sure you know what it is we now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation Celtics unit report Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is about the general, a.k.a. Sherman Douglas. Sherman Douglas played in the NBA for about 10 or 11 years, and five of those years were with the Boston Celtics. But Sherman Douglas is mostly known for his time at the University of Syracuse, or is it Syracuse University? Anyways, he played four years at Syracuse, and he broke the NCAA record one game where he had 20 two assists in one game in the 1989 season and he actually has the seventh most assist all time in NCAA history number one Bobby Hurley from Duke what else is new he was actually first team all big east in 87 88 and 89 and he was second team all-american in his senior year and some great names were on that second team all-american Mookie Blaylock and Glenn Rice That's how old Sherman Douglas was, or how good Sherman Douglas was. He was then drafted in the Miami by the Miami Heat in the 1989 NBA draft in the second round, 28th overall. Obviously, the NBA has you know a lot more teams now, so at the time, the 28th pick was in the second round. He so 
basically what happened was he played for the Miami Heat for a couple years. He led points and assists and then held out. And then the Miami Heat said, you know what, we're going to trade you. And they did a straight-up trade, Sherman Douglas for Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw, who used to be the coach of the Lakers, who's now the assistant coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And this happened in January, like right in the middle of the season. And one thing that during these five years with the Celtics before Sherman Douglas got traded for Todd Day and Alton Lister to the Bucks in 1995, Sherman Douglas played 269 games for the Celtics. He started 161 of them, and he shot a lovely 22% from three-point range. 22% from three-point range. He took 100 three-pointers and only made 22 of them. That's terrible. He averaged 11 points a game, six assists a game. It was a nice little run. He was number. He started off as number four, wore number 20 for a long time. When Ray Allen took number 20, when he came over to play with KG and Paul Pierce, that was the first thing I thought of was Sherman Douglas used to wear that number. No one else. I, I loved watching Sherman Douglas when I was younger. He, he was a pass first point guard, which obviously you don't get a lot these days anymore. He made $23.8 million over his career, and he played on the Heat, the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Nets, the Clippers, and the Celtics. But recently, he has been popping up in the news or in the social media world or the reality TV world because he dated Giselle Bryant from Real Housewives of Potomac, I think that's how you pronounce it, or Potomac, I don't know, someplace in Maryland. And the fact that I had to do research about Sherman Douglas, a former Celtics player, on a Bravo TV show called Real Housewives really shows my dedication not only to this podcast, but to the listeners, okay? I have never gone on a Bravo TV website in my entire life, and I had to find out that Giselle used to nickname Sherman Douglas Sherm Sherm, or Shermy. That's embarrassing, Sherman Douglas. Like, are you kidding me? Like, get out of here. So basically, these two got together, Giselle Bryant. I don't know how she became famous, but she used to date this really famous pastor who was a big deal. They got a divorce. Sherm Sherm or Sherman Douglas, whatever you want to call him, they started dating. And I guess recently they just broke up. So I'm sorry, Sherman Douglas, but I guess he was actually on a couple episodes of this Real Housewives show. And that's really all that I know about Sherman Douglas and what he's doing right now. So this dude went from leading the NCAA in assists, having the most all time in one game, and is now in Real Housewives of someplace in Maryland. I don't get it, but uh, I'm I'm glad it's him and not me because... I'm I'm assuming those Real Housewives shows suck, and I'm done talking about it. But one other thing we have to talk about is there could be new Celtics jerseys coming our way, and I don't know how I feel about them. They're white, green lettering with gold and or yellow stitching around it, kind of like the Larry Bird mid-'80s Celtics warm-ups, you know, the white with the green and the gold lettering around it. If not, just Google like Larry Bird warm up from like 1986 and you'll see it. And it kind of looks like Kyrie's high school basketball jersey. And if that's what is going to keep Kyrie around, sure, 
Let's wear them. Let's run with it. But I'm just glad it's not the gray jerseys. I hate the gray jerseys so much. Remember the Adidas gray Celtic sleeve jerseys? Oh, my God. You you want to talk about Vomit City. I'd, I'd actually rather watch the Real Housewives than watch those guys play in those sleeved gray jerseys. Gross. All right. That is episode 12 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell all your family, your friends. We got another great episode next week for you, recapping the three games this week, previewing the entire month of November, because we'll be in November by that point, which is pretty crazy. Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. And you can check out the Banner Banter podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and so much more. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you guys have, if you guys want me to talk about anything, if you guys want me to do a Banner Banter investigation on a former Celtics player, please feel free to email me at Banner Banter podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And again, I just want to give a shout out to my dad. It's been 18 years too long and I love you a great deal. Talk to you guys later. Go Celtics. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Peace. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.